Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <ríe> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro con mi unidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene Spicy Pepper Sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa pa pa. Paranormal Crimes. Presented by Euphoria. You're crazy! How are you gonna disappear like that with the information I have? No, 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 no. I'm not gonna follow the case anymore. I've already quit. Are you crazy now? Mario Canales showed up and he's with Casal right now. Andres Mario Canal? Yes. Does he have any clues? He doesn't have any clues. He's got the answer. As soon as I heard about it in the news, the case grabbed my attention. I can imagine. There was something that had a familiar sound to it, a hint of a story I had already lived. From that moment on, I began to look into it more and more until I found the key. I understand. You suggest then that the cousins were bitten by a snake? I'm suggesting that they died from snake poisoning. Doctor, I imagine that you had access to the case and have already read the autopsy reports and that's how you reached this conclusion. Is that correct? You may be wondering, why would Dr. Barrio Canal link these deaths to a snake? Exactly. And I don't have the answer. <laughs> Science has it. Studies on mice have shown that with the right dose, the venom of the black mamba produces a violent acceleration of the putrefaction of the corpse. With a medium to strong dose, the victim dies within minutes and in less than 48 hours, the body appears as decomposed as these. Doctor, how are you? Well, not very well. I've been waiting for the results since this afternoon. What's going on? Well, the situation is more complicated than I thought. The thing is, we couldn't evaluate anything. Not even the monoxide or the poison? Nothing. But why? What's going on? The hearts. The hearts are gone. Euphoria presents Paranormal Crimes where reason meets its limits. Season one, The Mystery of the Cousins, an original series by Euphoria Podcast. Warning, the following story is based on a true case with dramatic scenes created from the events and exclusive statements of its protagonists. Some of the identities and situations have been changed. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, we recommend you do so first and then come back so you don't miss any details. And always remember to listen until the last breath. Episode 6 of 8 The Desecration. As we had anticipated, we have a very special guest with some news that promised to give a twist to the macabre case of the cousins. Welcome, Dr. Barry Canal, and thank you for coming. Oh, please, thank you for the invitation. 
So tell us, how did you come to the conclusion about the black mamba poison? Well, in order to give your audience a context, I would first like to present my opinions as a doctor. Oh, oh yes, yes, of course. And what are they? As the forensic medical protocol indicates, every violent death responds to only one of three possible causes. Homicide, suicide, or accident. Right, I see. And uh, which of the three do you think it was? <laughs> Let's take it slow. You know, I see myself as a, as a satellite, orbiting around the case, trying to provide a scientific point of view. I'm not trying to solve it. I'm trying to encounter the element that caused the death. Now, if you want to know whether it was a homicide, a suicide, or an accident, maybe I can encourage you to join me on this journey. A new day begins in the cousin's investigation, and the chilling black mamba theory spreads through the media like a dark ink stain. What most people are unaware of is that a new and far more disturbing page is being written in the cousin's story. Their hearts are missing. Doctor, are you coming with us? No, I'm going in my car. I'll meet you there directly. All right. Judge Casal, along with Commissioner Benitez and five uniformed agents, speed to the forensic lab of the Buenos Aires Province Judiciary to hear firsthand what happened to the samples. Upon arriving at the scene, at the entrance of the building, Casal and Benitez are greeted by forensic scientist Dr. Pedro Lagans, the coroner in charge of the second autopsy. Dr. Casal, it is inexplicable. Don't worry, Lagans, we're not gonna leave here until we solve it. Benitez's agents set up like sphinxes at the door of the building guarding the entrance and exit, while Judge Casal, together with the commissioner, escort Dr. Loggins to one of the chemical analysis rooms. There they meet his colleague, biochemist Dr. Graziano. Dr. Graziano, she's working with me on the case of the cousins. How are you? It's nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Casal. The gentleman is Commissioner Benitez. Hi, how are you? Good morning. So, where are the samples? Turning to one of the lab's countertops, Dr. Loggins lifts a surgical drape releasing a foul-smelling cloud that spreads through the room. Casal and Benitez stare at a chaotic pile of vials and polyethylene bags. Is that how they were delivered? No. I accommodated them a little bit. Actually, they were worse. Casal pours over the samples. The uncapped jars contain confusing chunks of meat, and their labels, with the ink smudged, are no help in identifying them. The loose, garbage-like bags, barely tied with strings, distill a thick, reddish liquid on the steel of the countertop. The judge can't believe it. They seem to have suffered an attack, an outrage. When did you realize that the hearts were missing? Last night. Our assistant prepared all the material for the necropsy, and when Dr. Griziano analyzed the samples, she realized they were missing. Any explanation? No. None. Nothing. What did you do when you saw this? I immediately called our assistant to give me an explanation, but he told me that he had received them like that. Squandered. It seems to have been done on purpose. Jars without lids, without labels, without formalin. Bags tights with strings, bags inside other bags. And even in one jar, they put mixed viscera. Well, I don't understand. When you say that it seems to have been done on purpose, are you insinuating that someone tampered with the samples to sabotage the autopsy? Listen to this and tell me if it was an accident. Bottle number four, closed without an official seal, containing lips and mucous membrane to ascertain injuries without formalin. Bottle number 10, uncapped without official seal, containing tongue, trachea, and pharynx, all mixed. Shall I continue? What about the hearts? What happened? They didn't arrive. I called Karana Flores, and of course he told me that everything came out of his morgue. Sealed, labeled, and with formalin. Even the hearts. 
And your assistant is on the premises? I already called him, and he is on his way. Casal covers the vials with the surgical drain, looks at Benitez, and with a subtle signal, gives the order. Well, with the authorization of the judge present, I'm going to proceed to interrogate all the guards and admission personnel. We'll be checking all the entrances and exits as from yesterday morning until today. From now on, nobody can leave the building until the hearts appear. Meanwhile, in another part of the city, Turco begins his day with his fingers resting on the keyboard, staring absorbedly at a blank page. He wants to write, but nothing comes out. He tries to get the case of the cousins off his mind, but he can't. Hello? How's it going, Turco? Jorge, what are you up to? How's it going? Okay, all right. You, okay? Yes, everything's fine. Are you busy? No, no, I'm writing my own stuff. Ah, right. Well, perfect. From from the cousins, right? No, no, that's that's it. Okay, good. Well, if you want to write something, let me know. I I have some articles. No, for a few days I want to relax. I think it's great. Well, Turco, get some rest and we'll talk later. Jorge, come on. What's up? Uh, are you alone? Yes. My contact at the forensic lab of the judiciary just told me that Casal is there and that uh, they blocked access. Something happened with the necropsy of the cousins. They told you that? He didn't tell me anything more than that, but I'm sharing it with you just as a friend. Not as an editor, got it? Yes, yes. Looks like it's a big mess. They're questioning everyone. Turco stands with a pipe in his hand feeling that he cannot escape this sinister plot. As much as he wants to abandon it, the cause is not going to abandon him. But what happened in the lab? Torco knows who can help him. Courts, good morning. Ruiz, it's Turco. Uh, how can I help you, ma'am? Um, are you gonna go get the stamp? Can you get the stamp for me? What happened with the second autopsy? Sure, exactly. You should call. What's wrong with you? Don't call me here anymore. Are you crazy? Just tell me what happened. They stole the hearts. What? What happened? The hearts are gone. Sure, exactly. That's why. Th thank you. No, ma'am. Sorry. I can't help you. Turco's blood is pulsing, his heart is pounding, and his breath is coming in short gasps. He has to take a seat to assimilate the information. The desecration of hearts, the snake poison, all match his suspicions that some sect, some cult, has used the cousins as sacred offerings for some ritual. At last, he decides. He climbs the small ladder, takes the cardboard box he left on the shelf just yesterday, and dumps all its contents onto the table. The photos and notes seem to find an order of their own, and Torco feels again what he felt that morning in front of the house on Mellow Street, where at this very moment, Sub-Inspector Castillo is entering along with Vittorello, the owner of the property, Ana Maria, Claudia's mother, and Dario Tojo, Irma's lover. It's time to empty the apartment and remove the victim's meager belongings. Victorello wants to get the whole damn thing off his chest so he can get back to renting the property as soon as possible. As we said before, every violent death responds to one of three causes. Oh, I've got this one. Homicide. Yes. Suicide. Yes. Or an accident. Bravo! <laughs> Thank you. Now, with regards to the accidental and simultaneous death of both victims, I can make the following statement with certainty. So far, no toxins have been detected in either of the bodies. No gas leakage was found in the neighborhood. Intoxication by uh, psychotropic drugs was ruled out. Intoxication by ingestion of bad food was ruled out too, and... At one point, there was talk of a possible electrocution, wasn't there? That's true. 
but it was also ruled out uh, by an expert from the electric company. So we can safely say that... That accidental death is ruled out. Exactly. So of the three paths, we are now left with two. Suicide or homicide. And what do the experts say? In the lab, where this question should be answered, Cosal and Benitez seek the answer to another question. Who altered the samples and desecrated the hearts? The assistant forensic examiner has just arrived, and the judge and the commissioner alone question him. Well, Mr. Ignacio Ugardi, you received the samples last night, correct? Uh, yes, yes, last night I got them. And did you not notice the state they were in? Sure, as soon as they opened the boxes, it grabbed my attention. They never really usually come like that, but I interpreted that Dr. Laggins and Dr. Graziano were already aware of the state, and I locked them without consulting them. You didn't think to warn them? Not really. I made an observation in the report about the state of some unnumbered jars or improperly sealed bags, but I did not make an official report in detail. Why not? Uh, honestly, I thought they hadn't been able to do the first autopsy precisely because the samples were like that. It, it even seemed logical to me. What did you do once you received them? As usual, I arranged each item in the coolers for later analysis. And who gave them to you? A transfer man from the night shift. I think his name was, uh, Baez. Sorry, fr from the night shift? Shouldn't they have arrived in the afternoon? Yes, but they were delayed. Casal and Benitez look at each other. A window of time opens in which the desecration could have happened. What time did they arrive? And what time should they have arrived? Uh, they were to arrive at uh, 2 p.m. and they arrived at uh, 9 p.m. Benitez, do we have that man? Baez? Ramon Baez, they've already gone looking for him. Him and his partner. Casal knows the only thing that can help him solve the case is the results of the autopsies, and that's getting further and further away. The only samples he has have been tampered with. He has to find a solution fast. He walks from one side to the other, until a name crosses his mind like a train that runs over him. It is Ricardo Raffo, the best forensic expert in the country. This is really the last card he has left. And that's why he doesn't know whether to play it or not. Forensic scientist Loggins enters the room. Excuse me, were you able to speak with my assistant? Yes, we're waiting for the transfer guy to arrive. Is there anything else I can help you with? <sighs> yes, I need a private room and a telephone. Casal makes up his mind. He wants to cut the story short and get this case over with. Unlike him, for Turco, the wheels start turning again. Hello? Father Victor? Turco, how are you? Are you still in contact with your friend, the healer? What's this about? The cousins. They stole the hearts of the cousins. Hmm. Oh, interesting. And what are you thinking? In a desecration? An Umbanda rite? Kimbanda voodoo? Well... Let's see if she can help us. Should I go to the church? No, 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 let's save time. I'll meet you at the Delta port. Meanwhile, in a secluded room in the lab, Casal locks himself in, takes a seat, and picks up the phone. It's decided. He's going to play the last move he's got left. Hello? Dr. Raffo, this is Judge Casal speaking. How are you doing? Dr. Casal, don't tell me this is a courtesy call. Unfortunately not. I find myself in a bind with the issue of the forensic expertise of the case that you obviously already know about. Hmm. I'm aware of that. We need someone with your expertise to solve this issue. Hmm. Is there anything special I can help you with? I could send you the samples that were taken in the first autopsy to see if you can find anything that might guide us. Any sign of carbon monoxide poisoning or... Snake venom. Yes. I read something about Barry Connell's hypothesis. What elements do you have? In addition to the samples, which I warn you are in a terrible condition, I could send you a report with all the details that were carried out here in Lagan's laboratory. Hmm. 
It would do me a great honor if you could dedicate some time to this case. Hmm. For the time being, I'll ask you to send me that report, and I'll see what I can do. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much. Dr. Rathbow is a forensic eminence with over 50 years of experience. If he's not able to find a clue, any clue that points to the cause of the deaths, the case will be left without direction, without a firm path on which to move forward. It would be the end of the investigation and a big stain on the judge's career. But just as for Turco, for Casal, this has already become personal. Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number six. What happened with the misplacement of these issues? At that time, it seemed to be a very serious matter not to attribute it to a fraudulent matter, because the investigating police station was commissioned to send the viscera to the experts' office of La Plata, of the Supreme Court, a subsidiary of our federal Supreme Court. We'll be right back with more paranormal crimes. Hacer tequila Don Julio es como escribir una carta de amor a México. Beber tequila Don Julio es como declarar ese amor al mundo entero. Don Julio es el tequila de lujo original, hecho con la misma pasión que recorre las raíces de nuestro país. Porque si no es por amor, ¿para qué? Consume responsablemente. Don Julio tequila, 40% alcohol por volumen 2020, importado por Diageo Americas, New York, New York. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene spicy pepper sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa pa pa. Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. We are back with Dr. Barrio Canal, who has told us that of the three possible paths, we are left with two: suicide or homicide. Which one do we go with? Well, let's continue with the idea that the cousins took their own lives, shall we? All right, the suicide theory. Exactly. Now, what do we have here? According to the experts, no elements or forebearers were found that would indicate or could lead us to suppose or think that the decision was an extended suicide. A homicide suicide or a double suicide? But what about the syringes they found? Well, evidence shows that the needles did not contain any toxic substances at all. Oh, really? And also ruled out the possibility of an overdose. And in addition, a graphopsychological analysis was carried out which ruled out that the girls might have had any suicidal tendencies at all. Oh, well, so in conclusion, there was no suicide. Exactly. And what do we have left? Homicide. Good. You see, it's not that hard to be a detective. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, who killed them? And how did they kill them? Well... That is where my theory comes in. How did they kill them? Indeed. The same question is repeated like a mantra by Turco, who meets Father Victor at a pier on the Paraná River. Before them unfolds the delta, a maze of wooded islands and shadowy channels hundreds of miles long. Thanks for your time. I know this is none of your business. No, no, I'm really interested. I hope Mike can help us. Torco and the father board an old boat bus that will take them into what is called the third section of the Delta, the area farthest from the city. The boat carries a few islanders, the silent inhabitants of the place. Through increasingly narrower branches of the river, they plunge into the bowels of the Delta, leaving behind all signs of civilization. It's not so unusual to steal organs. There have always been sects that use them for rituals, especially if it seems to them that they belong to a person with some mystical capacity. Yes, but I still find it incredible that it continues to happen today. It sounds strange, but I think that it's something that comes from the ancient Egyptians and that's continued in many secret cults that are still active from the shadows. 
in witchcraft rituals. Although animal viscera are used more, the viscera of human beings still have a special mystique. They're considered much more powerful as a vehicle of dark energy. And do you think that in the case of the cousins, there's any of this? I'm gonna tell you the truth. These are not the first hearts that have been profaned in these last days. Were there other robberies? Third section! We have to get off. Let's go. The bus boat stops at a rickety jetty of weathered timbers where Father Victor and Turco disembark. Meanwhile, in the lab, Casal, Benitez, Lagans, and Graciano received the young man from the night shift transport who delivered the samples to the assistant. His name is Ramon Baez, a young man with a rough, sturdy, and honest look. Did you go to collect the samples at Flores' forensic morgue? No, I found them on the table in the reception room on the ground floor. Someone left the boxes there. I picked them up and brought them up here. And you didn't think it was strange the way the samples were delivered? Well, a little bit, yes, but the truth is that we see all kind of things here. And the hearts? Where did you get them to? The way the boxes were, I picked them up. I didn't touch anything. I didn't open any of them. The two boxes were there, and I took them up to the lab just as they were. What time was that? Um, at nine o'clock. I went to work, and the first thing I did was the bring the boxes up. I need to talk to the person who went to the morgue and brought the samples here. Who is that? Ah, that's my compadre, Burgos. They also called him to come in. At the house on Mellow Street, Castillo, Dario Tojo, and Ana Maria walk through the property for the last time. None of the three have approached the bathroom, whose door has always been kept locked. Without mentioning it, they've agreed never to enter that nefarious place again. They close the windows, turn off the gas, water, and electricity, and leave. The apartment is dark, silent, a monument to absence. Castillo closes the front door, keeps the keys, and puts up some police tape. Tojo and Ana Maria walk down the corridor, carrying the boxes. Victorello approaches Castillo. Um, do you know when I will be able to rent it again? I'm not saying now, of course. I'm sorry, but I don't think it'll be soon. Now I have to hand over the keys and everything is in the court's hands. From then on, the judge and his people will be in charge. At least I won't be involved in this case any longer. I understand. Castillo says goodbye and leaves in his car for the courthouse. There he meets Lucio, Casal's secretary, who receives and signs for the removal of the belongings. Then, the deputy inspector gives him the keys to the property with the secret hope of never having to enter that place again in his life. Well, Castillo, I guess I won't see you around here anymore. At least not for this case. And that's enough for me. Castillo signs the paperwork, relieved that the bodies, the house, the stench are behind him. And as some walk away from the case, others seek to go even deeper. Father Victor and Turco walk along a narrow path, through a reed bed, until they reach a modest wooden house, raised on stilts to avoid the rising waters of the river. My, my. A young woman peeks through a window through a screen. From the gloom of the house, she looks suspiciously, not seeming to recognize Father Victor. I'm a friend of Mai's. The woman disappears from the window, and after a few moments, she comes out of the house and stands on the first step of the stairs, keeping a safe distance. What do you need? Well, we've come to see Mai for consultation. Mai's resting. Could I see her just for a few minutes? We came from far away. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. The young woman takes a pitcher of water, silently descends the stairs and gestures for them to follow her. The three of them go around the house and head deeper into the island, 
along a path that is even more dense than the one they had to walk through to get there. Finally, they reach a clearing in the forest, surrounded by trees and reeds, where they find a wooden pergola filled with pagan images, burning incense, offerings, feathers, and in the center, lying on the ground, an old woman covered in white cloth and flowers, surrounded by candles, seems to be sleeping peacefully. Beside her, a woman dressed in white prays in a half-voice. Hail, pay Ogum, the seven swords would be from the Mato. It was Ogum, a hunter shouted. I walked on deserted roads, and a blue cloak hid me from dangers. I walked through great places, and a red cloak covered me from my enemies. I walked on lands, asphalts, and seas, and a silver cloak calmed my fears. Father and mighty Ogum, Lord of the Seven Serpents, Lord of the Seven Sacred Rings, I sleep at your feet today and always to thank you for your protection. Ogunhe, pay Ogum. She's been like this for three days. The young woman approaches the pergola and replaces an empty water jug with the full one she brought. Torco knows that this space is a terrero, the place where the Umbanda followers perform their ceremonies. But he doesn't know what's going on. The young woman returns with them. Well, what's wrong with my... Shh. Come. My mom says she might have received an Orisha. And your mother is... My daughter. Are you the granddaughter? I never met you. I came back recently when I graduated. I've been living in the city for the last 10 years. Huh, I'm Father Victor, a very good friend of your grandmother. Milena, a pleasure. And uh, this is Turco. He's a journalist friend, but he's a good guy. How do you do? What's up? I won't be able to see you, but if you came all this way, at least have a cup of coffee. In the kitchen of the precarious house, overlooking the vegetation that seems to engulf her, the young woman prepares coffee for the three of them. Turco studies the young woman curiously, her youth seeming to hide ancestral knowledge. For his part, Father Victor plays with a black cat with lucid yellow eyes that curls up between his legs, looking for his attention. And your mother believes that Mai received an Orisha. That's why she's like this? Yes, there are several who believe the same thing. They had a very strong encounter. And... What did you want to ask her? Well, it's actually a delicate subject. Turco takes an envelope from the inside pocket of his coat and begins slowly arranging the pictures of the cousins in the bathtub on the table. I've been working for some time on the case of two girls who appeared dead, and after several unexplained events, their hearts mysteriously disappeared. Young Milena listens attentively as she looks at the photos and her pleasant demeanor transforms into an inquisitive and penetrating gaze. Suddenly, the feeling of invading someone else's sacred space begins to hang in the air. Even the cat moves away from Father Victor and takes up a position behind the young woman. Milena looks over the photos without touching them. You see, my friend believes that it could be the work of some sect or cult. And since it's not the only case that's been registered recently, we're coming to see your grandmother. The cat jumps from the floor to the table, and from the table into Milena's arms, knocking the photos off the table. Milena hugs the feline and walks out of the house. Through the mosquito net, she replies, Wait here. All right, we wait. Young Milena leaves the cat on the stairs, next to her plate of food, and she loses herself on the path that leads her into the heart of the island. Torco and Father Victor pick up the photos that have fallen to the ground. Seems like she didn't like the question very much. I don't know. You think we should leave? No, no, let's wait. You sure about this? Let us wait. Meanwhile, in the laboratory, Commissioner Benitez walks at a hurried pace, carrying the young man who transported the samples from the morgue by his arm. They enter the office where Casal is waiting for them with Ramon, the man who brought the boxes upstairs. Well, doctor, this is the famous Burgos, Orlando Burgos, the compadre. He has something to tell us, doesn't he? Have a seat, please. Tell me what happened with the samples. It was horrible. What happened? Burgos looks at his compadre and speaks compulsively to him in Spanish. Estaban malditos. Los corazones estaban malditos. What are you saying? 
Decíselo, decíselo que te va a creer, decíselo. Que, que estaban malditos, los sí. corazones estaban malditos. Decíselo es, a ellos. Es algo del demonio. Bueno, estaban... decíselo que te van a ayudar. Es cosa del diablo, estaban malditos los corazones, estaban malditos. What is he saying? He said that the hearts were cursed. What? Sir, uh, Burgos, what happened to the hearts? They had bad energy. From the time I went to pick them up until I brought them back, I had all kind of problems. My engine stopped several times. I had a flat tire. I don't care what happened to you. I want to know where the hearts are. When I got here, I got out of the truck to lift up the barrier and at that moment, two stray dogs jumped into the truck and started to eat all the samples. What? I went running to get them out, but they had already eaten some things. What are you saying, sir? Did some dogs eat the hearts? Yes, and they ruined all the rest of the samples. All of them. Casal, exasperated, grabs his head, about to explode, but restrains himself. Benitez, at his side, tries to intimidate the young man into getting to the truth. Burgos. You know you can go to jail for false testimony, don't you? I swear, dogs ate them, le juro. Fueron los perros. Los corazones se lo comieron los perros. Los corazones estaban malditos. Detrás de todo esto está el diablo. At that moment, Loggins enters with an evident gesture of urgency and concern. Doctor, there's a call for you in my office. It's Raffle. Good afternoon, Dr. Raffle. Good afternoon, Kazal. What do we have? Nothing good. We have been analyzing with my team the report of Dr. Lagans and Dr. Graziano. And in conclusion, we are going to need something more concrete. What do you mean? That without the bodies, I can't do anything. I'm going to need you to exhume them. We'll be right back with more paranormal crimes. Hacer tequila Don Julio es como escribir una carta de amor a México. Beber tequila Don Julio es como declarar ese amor al mundo entero. Don Julio es el tequila de lujo original, hecho con la misma pasión que recorre las raíces de nuestro país. Porque si no es por amor, ¿para qué? Consume responsablemente. Don Julio Tequila, 40% alcohol por volumen 2020, importado por Diageo Americas, New York, New York. Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. We are back with Dr. Barry Canal. So you say it was a homicide, and whoever did it used the poison of a black man. But why didn't it show up in the autopsy? Well, we have to be precise here. The expert who analyzed the syringe didn't detect any traces of poison. Oh, okay, yeah. But we still have to wait for the results of the second autopsy, which is being carried out as we speak. Oh. And you think it was a pagan ritual? Black magic? That's the judge's job, not mine. I only put my humble experience at the disposition of justice. Doctor, we're running out of time, and you're leaving us with a lot of questions. Well, you know what? You should talk to a colleague of yours, Turco Hassan. He is very much involved in this subject. Without suspecting that his name is beginning to circulate in the media, Turco continues in the Delta House with Father Victor. The wait takes forever and the afternoon begins to fall more quickly through the dense vegetation that surrounds the house. They both feel that something was not quite right. Then suddenly, a line of men and women, all dressed in white, appear walking down the path leading from the center of the island and surround the house. Father Victor quickly stands up, and Turco imitates him as he puts away the photos. One of the women, by her slow, elderly movements, breaks away from the group and slowly climbs the stairs towards them. The woman takes the cat in her arms and enters. Hello. The woman, with precise movements, sits in a chair with the cat on her lap and caresses it. After a few moments, she looks up directly at Father Victor. 
And who are you? I'm a friend of mine. Torco looks out the window and sees the devotees beginning to light some candles. Father Victor notices this too and pausing picks up his coat. I didn't know my had friends at church. I'm from a more alternative wing of Catholicism. What you came here for, you won't find here. We don't do human sacrifices. I don't know what you're confusing us with. No, 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 don't misunderstand us. Uh, we wanted to ask my for guidance. I can give you guidance. It's not here. Well, thank you very much for your time. We are leaving. Uh, I want to see the pictures first. Turco seeks approval from Father Victor, who nods. Turco holds out the photos, and the old woman begins to look at them one by one. In witchcraft, yeah, they still use human organs. They impregnate them with dark energies and leave them on the door of the house of the person they want to harm. They anchor the negative vibration there. But are there entities that can decompose bodies like this? There is no limit to what can be asked of the forces. And to possess a person's body and thus destroy him is not impossible. And you, Father? Were you always a believer? I would stand talk, but unfortunately in a few minutes the last boat leaves for the city, so we're leaving. Torco. Torco and Father Victor walk out of the house and look at the row of men and women watching them. The father puts on his overcoat, pulls up his collar, and walks down the stairs without stopping or making eye contact with anyone. Torco follows behind him still keeping the photos in his bag. Crossing the line of devotees, they reached the path that led them there and quickened their pace to get away as soon as possible. They didn't seem very friendly. Not at all. You don't think this woman did something to your friend Mai? That was Mai. That was my friend Mai. Meanwhile, Judge Casal is in the parking lot of the lab trying to fill his lungs with the cold night air. As Dr. Raffo's request to exhume the bodies has turned the case upside down, the decision falls on his shoulders. And although he doesn't want to continue bothering the families, he senses that this is the last option he has left to solve the case. Commissioner Benitez approaches. He's really exhausted. What if someone is doing this to us? I mean, what if someone is complicating this case on purpose? In the distance, Dr. Graciano beckons to them. There seems to be news. They both go to meet her. Uh, the two men have just confessed to Dr. Lagans about what really happened. Casal tosses down a cigarette, and with Benitez heads at full speed to Lagans's office, who, leaning on a counter, covers his face and massages his forehead. Mr. Burgess, Bias? Tell him what you've just told me. Come on, tell him. I went to get the samples from the morgue at the Vicente Lopez Hospital. I brought them here, and as I had to wait to register them, I sat in the sun for a while and fell asleep. Oh, yeah. Then I come to do the handoff. I found all the boxes in the truck, and I saw they were were, were trash and threw them away. When I woke up, I went to look for them and then I ran into him and told me that he had thrown them away and we went running to the garbage to rescue them. And then we looking for them and put them back in the boxes, just as they were. Please tell me this is all a lie. We did our best to put everything back. And the hearts that's true. They were eaten by the dogs. The ones rooting around in the garbage. Okay, that's it. Loggins, issue a report for negligence to all the laboratory personnel and suspect these two employees and their entire chain of command indefinitely. Benitez, call Deputy Inspector Castillo urgently. Have the bodies of the victims exhumed right away. 
I want Raffo to have them in his lab tonight. This ends today. With his nerves on edge, Cassell gets in his car and drives away from the lab, leaving Benitez to finish the paperwork. The judge can't calm his thoughts. They're going faster than he can keep track of them. He won't go to sleep until Raffo has those bodies on his desk. For his part, Turco arrives at his apartment soaking wet, still not realizing what he's been through. You can't publish anything about this, understand? Nothing about mine. His head is a whirlwind of conjectures, facts, and names. What about the heart stealing? Can I say something about that? No way. Don't even think about it. Casal arrives at the courthouse where he's met by Lucio, who hands him the record of the emptying of the property, the keys, and the request for the exhumation of the bodies that he has just drafted. Okay, Castillo is coming to pick up the certificate to exhume the bodies. I just need your signature. Can you sign here? When he arrives, accompany him. I don't want any more mistakes at any step. Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number six. And it turned out to be an almost picturesque episode of our provincial police. More akin to the nonsense of a village than to an investigation of this magnitude. The judge is left alone in his chambers and approaches the map that displays all the data of the case. More and more complex, more and more maze-like. The investigation coils like a snake. In silence, Casal looks at the envelope with the keys to the apartment on his desk. Suddenly, he takes his envelope, the keys, and leaves the courthouse towards his car. For his part, Torco writes without stopping and without noticing the storm that is raging in the city until a phone call brings him back to reality. Hello? Torco Hassan? Yes. I'm Mariana from Open Debate, the radio show. Mario Canal spoke to us about you. Do you have a few minutes to tell us what's going on with the case of the cousins? Casal crosses the city in the rain on his way to 3354 Mellow Street. To distract himself, he has the bad idea of turning on the radio. We continue an open debate with a sinister case of the cousins. And Turco Hassan, a renowned police journalist, is here with us to talk about it. Turco, just before we started, you said he had some shocking news to share with us. What happened? It's really very compelling news, and it's not a new twist in the case. But it's the definitive confirmation that there are very dangerous people involved here. Today they should have presented the results of the second autopsy, but they couldn't do it. And do you know why? No, please, Turco, don't say anything. The hearts of the two victims, they disappeared. They were stolen. I can't believe it. But how can that be? Is what you're telling us official? It's official in the courts, but they're not going to come out and say it because they don't know what happened. But this desecration added to the snake venom paints a very clear picture that there are sects or cults behind this crime. Turco, I can't believe it. Casal parks on 3400 Mellow Street, just yards from where he parked that first Sunday at noon. He grabs his umbrella and gets out. With determination, he enters the hallway and walks to the front door of the house. He pauses, searches for the key, and after tearing the police tape, he opens the door and enters. The judge cautiously paces the empty kitchen, the bedroom where only the bed frame remains, and stops in front of the closed bathroom door. He hesitates, but then he pushes it open, and what he sees clenches his stomach like a fist. Oh my God, what is this? Holding back his gags in terror, he stumbles out of the apartment, leaning against the walls as an icy sweat pours down his body. Judge, uh, what a surprise. Mrs. Noemi, I need to use your telephone urgently. Sure, sure, come in, come in. The judge enters the house. He goes to the phone and dials Commissioner Benitez's direct number. Hello? Benitez, I need you to confirm something for me. Yeah, tell me, doctor. 
the bathroom. The bathtub. They'd clean it, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, it was a team of firefighters. They clean and disinfected everything. And the tub was emptied? Absolutely. I was just in the bathroom. And the bathtub is full of cadaverous fauna. This has been Paranormal Crimes, where reason meets its limits. Season 1, The Mystery of the Cousins. Scenes from the next episode. Come on, Doctor, think about it. It wouldn't be a novelty for someone to obstruct a case in order to discredit a judge. Are you sure that you don't have anyone who wants to bring you down? Who wants your, your position? Who, 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 who wants to discredit you? Please, Benitez, don't complicate the situation any further. I'm serious. I mean, is it normal to temper with all the samples? Is it normal for the hearts to disappear? Is it normal for a top to appear full again? Come on, doctor. Does, does any of this seems normal to you? No, not at all. But to think that someone is doing it to bother me, it doesn't make any sense to me. There isn't anything normal about this damn case. Judge, please open your eyes. I'd recommend that you get a hold of your anxiety a little and that you try to speed up the transfer of the samples to the morgue commissioner. Yes, doctor. Hey, Hassan, I wanted to see you. What are you doing here? Uh, I, I didn't do anything. What's wrong? It just so happens that I'm beginning to wonder if you're not behind all of this. What? What are you talking about? Do you know that you can go to jail for breaking the secrecy of summary proceedings? But I don't know what you're talking about. And if I add the fact that you were at the scene of the crime without authorization, I could put you in jail as an accomplice for 20 years. Did you know that? Oh, Dr. Raffle, yeah, this is Gazal speaking. Tell me. As I always say, corpses talk. And I'm listening. Well, um, it's, uh... Yes? We have the result. Paranormal Crimes. Produced by Plataforma Sound Stories. Original production for Euphoria Podcast. Presented by Euphoria.